praise this morning. Come on, from the front to the back. Can we honour Him? Well, what a great honour to be here. Please stay on your feet. Hello to everyone who's joining us online as well. Can we welcome everyone joining us online? Give them a warm welcome. So good to have you with us. Well, I feel like I've been waiting to meet you all for like the last six and a half, seven years because James and Kate are such dear friends. And uh, I remember having dinner with them when they were just about to set out and move to Manila. And I thought they were crazy, but I said, God bless you. And look at this, the first of three services. This really is a phenomenal move of God in Manila, now in Brisbane as well, soon to be in Korea. And uh, James and Kate, we just love you. And I send love from Sarah and our kids. Um, James and Kate preached for us at our Calvary conference in September last year. And uh, I said it yesterday to a small group of leaders, James was good, but Kate was phenomenal. Right, like amazing. Don't you have incredible senior leaders? Can we honour Pastor James and Kate? We love you guys, honour your faith. Come on, let's really honour them and really appreciate their faith and their leadership. Love you guys. And um, Sarah, my wife, she was gonna be here. Next time she's gonna be here. But can I introduce my family to you? Is that all right? Uh, I think we've got some photos on screen. That, that's not her, that's me. Um, there's my beautiful wife. I know what some of you single guys are thinking, how did he get her? Signed up for Favour Conference, you should do the same. And so that's my wife, our three, well, that's our three eldest. So that's Hugo is our eldest. Hugo's name means bright in mind and spirit. Who knows, that's what you call your kid when you're naive and you haven't had any kids. And then we've got Luca, Stevie, and then this is our youngest, Her name is Olive. You know what Olive means? Peace. We're like, dear Lord, just give us some peace, all right? So so that's like our parenting journey. And so Sarah sends her love. I've already been texting her. said, this church is amazing. You need to get here. And uh, But I'm glad that you're here today. And maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe it's your first time checking out Favour. Can we pray? Because I'm believing today that you would hear more than just an Aussie preacher. But my prayer for you is that you would hear the voice of God speaking into your heart today. I don't know what you need, but He knows what you need and He can speak to you. Come on, can we lift our hands? Holy Spirit, we just thank You for who You are. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your presence here this morning. Thank You for Your presence in every room with people connected online. And Lord, I just thank You that You are the God who speaks to us. Lord, You know exactly where we're at You search and know our hearts and you know our future. And so you know what it is we need to hear. So Lord, I'm asking this morning that you would speak to and call every person in this room just a little closer to yourself, to our purpose. Pray for Favour Church in Brisbane, Manila, what will happen in Korea. We just pray, Lord, let your hand continue to be upon it. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and grab your seat. And can we thank the worship team as well? Just phenomenal this morning. Well, uh, I want to speak to you this morning a message that uh, I've entitled The Four Calls. The Four Calls. Would you just nudge your neighbour and say there are four calls? The Four Calls. The Four Calls. 
Uh, it was a number of years ago. I was 22 years of age, and so, you know, just two or three years ago. And uh, my wife and I were leading a small church in, uh, in Noosa in Queensland in Australia, a little holiday beach town, about 100 people in our church, pretty small, like just learning what we were doing, cutting our teeth in ministry. And uh, we were setting up, we were bumping in for church one particular morning, and uh, my phone rings, it's a number that I don't recognise. And uh, so I think maybe someone has gotten my number off the website, they want to come to church, and so I put on my best pastoral voice and I say, hello, it's Pastor Dustin. And uh, the voice on the other end, it sounded like kind of a middle-aged lady, and she goes, oh, hello, is this Dustin Bell? I said, yeah, this is Dustin. And she said, hi, this is Bobby. And I said, Bobby who? And she said, Bobby Houston. Now, if you're new to church, uh, our church was very small, like 100 people, but the biggest church in Australia and probably, I don't know, the world at that point in time was a church called Hillsong led by someone called Bobby Houston. And so while I'm putting out chairs for 100 people, they're planning their next campus, I don't know, on Mars. And so, so this voice goes, it's Bobby Houston. Now I'm thinking there is no way Bobby Houston has my number. And so this must be one of my friends pranking me. And so when she says, this is Bobby Houston, I say, oh, Bobby, is it? It's at that point she says, yeah, I have your name and number on an itinerary. I've just landed at an airport and it says that you're picking me up. You ever had one of those moments where it all comes flashing back to you? I remembered about four weeks earlier, I was walking past the senior pastor's PA's office. She said, hey, can you pick up Bobby? I was like, write me down, put my number, completely forgot. And so I'm in panic mode. I've just mocked Bobby Houston. And she's at the airport waiting for someone to pick her up and I'm a 90 minute drive away. And so I say, there is someone on their way, which I'm pretty sure they would be on their way in about an hour's time. And so I freaked it. I'm telling you, if I ever meet Bobby Houston, I'm gonna be like, hi, Bobby. My name is Pastor James Ayton. This is my friend, Dustin Bell. He left you at the airport. He left me at the airport as well. <laughs> Habits. When Bobby Houston called me, I just assumed it was not Bobby because why would Bobby have my number and why would Bobby know my name? And you know, I think that sometimes we do that with God as well. We think, why would God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, ever want to call my name? Why would, how would he know my number? How would he know what's happening in my life? Doesn't he have better things to do? Like, you know, gravity, then call me. And yet one of the things I've learned is that God is a God who loves to call you and I. You know, one of the most important things that you and I can understand about the God of the Bible is that God, as depicted in the Bible, is more than just a force. God is more than just an energy or a power. The Bible teaches us that God is personal, that God has a mind, and that God has a will. And because He has a mind and a will, God is a speaking God. God, in the beginning, called light out of darkness. God calls order out of chaos. God calls something out of nothing. God is the God who called Adam out of hiding. He called Noah to build and Abraham to go and Jacob to honesty. 
God is the God who called to Moses from a burning bush and He called Israel out of slavery and He called Joshua out of fear and into courage. He's the God who called David to lead and called Daniel to pray and called Jeremiah to speak. God is a God who calls and Favour Church, how many of us know that He is the same God now as He was back then? And so if God is the God who could call something out of nothing and call order out of chaos and call light into darkness, then is it possible that God could do the very same thing for you today? You might've walked into church and feel like my life is chaos. My inner world is in turmoil. I feel a darkness and depression all over me. But I wanna tell you today that if He called light out of darkness, then He can call light out of darkness today. If He called order out of chaos, then come on, He can call order out of chaos today. God is a God who calls. Can you say amen today? And so it should come as no surprise then that when we open the Gospels and we see God incarnate in flesh in Jesus of Nazareth, that one of the first things that God did through Christ in His public ministry is that He called people to Himself. And in this service, I wanna focus on Jesus calling to Peter. Peter is one of my favourite characters in the Bible because Peter doesn't have it all together. I reckon if Peter was to go to a church, he would go to a church for imperfect people. Peter was the kind, he he was called by Jesus. He was the first among equals of the disciples. He became one of the most significant leaders in the early church. And yet when I read the Bible, I see that there were four calls that Jesus issued to Peter that I believe Jesus wants to speak into our hearts today today as well. You know, the average person hears about 20 to 30,000 words per day. On average, a woman speaks about 20,000 words per day. And a man speaks about 7,000 words per day. I'm not going to make any comment there. I'm just going to leave it there as a fact. You and I hear about 7.3 million words every year. But I believe that what changes our lives is not the 7.3 million words that we hear from the mouths of people. It's one word from the mouth of God that can change our lives. And I'm believing today that before we close this service, some of us are gonna hear the voice of God speak into our heart and it's gonna transform our hearts, our lives and our futures. So here's the first call of Peter. Are you ready this morning? Matthew chapter four, verse 18, it says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. You know, everything about Peter's life changed when he heard those two words, follow me me. Now to us in 2023, that doesn't seem like much of a sentence, but in their context and culture, those two words were so powerful that they prompted a grown man to jump out of his boats, leave his business behind and follow Jesus. I want you to write this this down. The first call that you and I need to hear from the mouth of Jesus is, this is clever. Number one, it's the first call. Took me a long time to think of that. The first call. You see, in that cultural context, When a rabbi said to someone, follow me, that that was a significant thing. You see, a rabbi would typically get his credentials at about the age of 30. And one of the first things that a Jewish rabbi would do is he would call his disciples. And so when a rabbi walked past you, 
and said those two words, follow me, what it literally meant is, I want you to learn my ways. And not only do I believe that you can do what I do, but even greater things than I do, you shall do. And so it wasn't just anyone who was on the receiving end of one of these calls. You see, to qualify, just to qualify to follow a rabbi, the first step was to memorize the book of Leviticus by age six. Memorize. Some of you are like, Leviticus? Where have I heard that before? <laughs> Leviticus is the place where your one-year Bible plan goes to die every February. Some of us are like, ah, yeah, I can't even spell Leviticus. It sounds like a disease during COVID or something. Like, what? By age six, you had to memorize the book of Leviticus. And so Jewish kids, the exceptional kids, were the ones who had memorized it by age six. That was the prerequisite prerequisite to qualify you for the first school. Then you would learn the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And at age 12, you would sit your Torah exam. Only if you pass the Torah exam at age 12, were you qualified to be called by a rabbi who would say to you, follow me. But if you weren't smart enough, if you weren't good enough, if you didn't know the Bible enough, that then you would maybe just drop out of that system and you would go and take up your family trade. I don't know, something like fishing. And so when Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee and He walks past Simon Peter and Andrew and He says to them, follow me, it's little wonder that they left everything to follow him because there had never been a rabbi who didn't call the qualified. There had never been a rabbi who qualified the called. He wasn't looking for perfect people. He wasn't looking for the elite in the temple. He wasn't looking for the people who had it all together. Jesus deliberately went to the dropouts, the misfits, the not good enoughs. And he said, hey, I believe that you can do what I do. I want you to learn my ways. I want you to follow me. Is there anyone in church this morning and you're grateful that Jesus is willing to call the people who don't yet have it all together. I tell you what, I love church for imperfect people because who knows, that's the only kind of people there are, except my wife. Tell her I said that. And so Jesus, some of us are sitting in church this morning, you're checking out church and you're checking out faith, but inside you think, well, I don't have it all together like these worship leaders. And when I talk, it doesn't sound like as deep as when Pastor James talks and I'm not as spiritual as everybody else. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Hey, maybe you're sitting in church this morning. Uh, You need to know that your weakness doesn't put off God. The things that you are not doesn't make God overlook you. The feelings of insignificance don't disqualify you. The foolish decisions that you've made in the past don't make Jesus overlook you. I wanna thank Jesus today that He calls the weak and He calls those people who are not and He calls the people who feel insignificant and He calls the foolish and He says to them, hey, come and follow me. Come on, let's be the kind of church we never lose the wonder 
of the first call, that while you and I weren't even thinking about Jesus, when you and I were just trying to make an income and get our studies done and get by, when we weren't even thinking about religion or faith or following Jesus, we didn't come to Him. No, He came to us. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Come on, aren't you glad today that Jesus is willing to call us to Himself? The Bible says that He saved us and He called us with a holy calling. Come on, let's never be a church that loses the wonder of the first call. Let's never get so busy bumping in and out of services and leading connect groups and volunteering on teams that we lose the wonder of the first call and our first love. Jesus, you never had to call me and yet you called me. You never had to save me. And yet there'll be people here this morning, you've never responded to the first call of Jesus in a few moments time. I'm gonna give you an opportunity because you sense God speaking to you this morning. Can I just say this? If you sense Jesus speaking to your heart, don't let your insecurities and doubts and weaknesses get in the way. No, that's why He calls us because we are weak and imperfect and He gives us grace to follow Him. Can you say amen this morning? And so the first call literally is the first call, but the second call of Peter that I want us to catch this morning is number two, the faith call. Would you write that down? The faith call. You see, You and I have to understand the first call if we're ever gonna make sense of the faith call. We get to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 26. It says, the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea and they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. Do you remember I said just a few minutes ago that when the rabbi said, follow me, he was saying, I believe that you can do what I do. And so when Jesus walked on the water, Peter understood that if my rabbi is walking on the water, then that means that I could walk on the water as well. And so Jesus calls him out upon the water. You see, to be a Christian is not just to follow Jesus and walk behind him. No, to be a Christian means to step out of the boat by faith and to walk with Jesus into impossible circumstances and situations. You know, it's this kind of faith. Would you just nudge your neighbour and just say faith? Nudge another other neighbour and just say, step out, step out online. Would you step out? You see, it's this kind of faith, this willingness to respond to a faith call that sets apart everyone of note in the Bible. It's this faith call. This is Abraham leaving everything that is familiar to step into a land that God would show him. This is Esther risking everything to walk toward a king. This is Nehemiah stepping up to a task that looked impossible. This is Noah who's just convinced of a promise that God gave him. You see, the faith call is the realm where you learn that the word that God spoke into your spirit is even more real than the natural circumstances around it about you. Can I tell you that the DNA of Favour Church is the faith call? Maybe you're new to Favour and you're checking this whole thing out. I want to tell you that Favour didn't just start like this. It wasn't just like, you know, James and Kate just put some pop-up banners out and voila, there's like 650 people in a 10am service. Who knows, it didn't start like that. It started with a word from God saying, you know what, leave your country, move to the Philippines, step out in faith. But God, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? But who knows, we are called not to walk by sight. We're called to walk by faith. 
And so what we see today in favour church and what's going to happen in the future, who knows, it doesn't just happen. It happens because God speaks a word. And then, who knows, it doesn't even make sense to start a church in a music bar. It's not even a church, it's a music bar. And then to go to the Shangri-La when you don't have the money to pay for it and then to move into this ballroom post-COVID, the church should be dying, but it's taking steps of faith. Why? Because Jesus doesn't just give us the first call, He gives us the faith call. And now stepping into Brisbane and stepping into Korea, the Bible says in Romans 1 and verse 17 that the righteous shall live by faith. Which means this, if you've been made righteous through faith in Jesus, He wants to now move you beyond the first call and He wants to move you into a faith call where you start to step out of the boat and trust Him to do something that just doesn't make sense. In 2016, my wife and I were living very happily in Queensland in Australia. We had one little boy, Hugo, and our senior pastor at the time said, hey, um, I just really feel convicted and challenged that Calvary should believe God for something overseas. And I was like, wow, praise God, that's great for someone. And so we started praying, God, we pray you open up something overseas and Lord, I I just pray, speak to somebody's heart. Because I knew where I was going. I was going to move to Melbourne where there's great coffee and they play Australian football. That's why I was going to move to Melbourne, right? Very spiritual reasons. And, And so we're praying and I'm like, man, who's God going to call? And, uh, and then I made the foolish mistake of getting on a plane and going to South Africa. Let, let me give you the story. We've been praying for about a month that God had opened up something overseas. Then we receive a phone call from a, uh, an itinerant preacher who says, hey, I'm in East London and there's a church in East London that is looking for a new senior pastor. Uh, they've got a church auditorium, 1,200 seats, debt-free, right next to a varsity. They own two entire city blocks. Well, as he's explaining this, I'm like, man, I would love to live in the UK. I mean, East London, I'm a big fan of the royal family and I'd love to watch Premier League. And so this sounds magnificent. And then we, we, we call him back a few days later and we're, we're like, you know, do you ever mute the phone call and you're having a conversation while someone else is talking? Anyone ever done that? And uh, so he's talking and he keeps bringing up South Africa. So we mute it. We say, why is he talking about South Africa? And so literally we're Googling while he's talking and we're like, there's an East London in South Africa? <laughs> Suddenly we converted the value of that building from pounds into rand and it wasn't quite as much, but... So we're like, sure, I'll... I'll go and carry my senior pastor's Bible for a weekend in South Africa. I'd love to see a giraffe in the wild. That'd be great. So yeah, let's, let's go. So I'm like, babe, it's cool. I'm just going to go for like three days to South Africa. going to see your church, see some giraffe, maybe a lion, you know, you never know. And then I'll be home and we'll get on with moving to Melbourne. And uh, so I get there and I stand in this church auditorium. It's like, uh, yeah, spot the person under the age of 60 and uh, there's purple rinse everywhere and uh, a lot of mustard colored walls and and, and in the middle of a Sunday night church service, I feel God speak to me. And God gives me a vision for what this church can be. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because uh, you know when God speaks, right? Because you're like, I would never think to do this. I'm thinking lattes and football, right? And I feel God speak to me. So, so what do you do when you feel God speaks to you? You text your wife in the hope that she'll talk you out of it and God won't speak to her. So I text my wife on Messenger and I'm like, hey, babe, I think we should pray about moving to South Africa. She doesn't think I'm serious. We fly home and I get home at about 9 p.m. And I say to my wife, babe, I really think we should pray about this. And she's like, oh, he wasn't joking. 
And then about 20 minutes later, she did a pregnancy test and we found out we were pregnant with our second child. Couple those two factors with jet lag. I didn't sleep much that night. And so that's begun a process of about six weeks of praying into this and every South African person that I met who had immigrated to Australia telling me the evils of South Africa and how violent it is and how you don't want to raise a family there. And and yet we couldn't shake the sense that God had spoken to us. And so we we had a conversation in a car trip and we're like, we just got to do this because either God has spoken to us or he hasn't spoken to us. And so we said, right, God, we're going to do it. We started the visa process. I remember packing my house in Townsville. Literally, we've just waved goodbye. The removalist truck posted on Instagram. Oh, so exciting, this faith adventure. Everyone's like, oh, Pastor Dustin. And, uh, And then like literally a few hours later, I get a phone call, your visas are denied. So I'm like, oh, praise God. I literally just waved goodbye to the removalist truck. I'm on my own in an empty house cleaning it and it's been denied and we've already raised the money and gone to the church. And, I'm like, <laughs> and so everyone's like, where are you moving? I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And uh, about nine weeks later with about five weeks until we had promoted the launch of the church, our visas finally came through. Can I tell you, when you're on a long haul flight with two kids under the age of three, moving to a nation that most young families are moving out of, you do think, am I crazy? Have I really heard God or is this the biggest mistake I've ever made? And how am I going to explain this to her father when things go bad? Come on, just because God speaks to you doesn't mean you don't have very human thoughts in the process. Come on, are you with me? And so... We, we moved, we landed. When we landed, we had like 30 days to finish a renovation, to, to, to meet people, to train the team. It was like assembling an aircraft, meeting the cabin crew, training the cabin crew and getting the thing airborne in 30 days. It was literally like, can you spell Jesus and do you have a pulse? Great, you're on the team. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, spelling Jesus, that's non-essential. The pulse is all we need. Come on, let's go. And so we launched the church and God put his hand upon it. The church tripled in about two years. Today, there's about a thousand people every Sunday. It's still part of our church family in Calvary. But, but who knows this? Everything that we ever do for God starts with a word from God. And there'll be people here today and you've sensed God speaking to you about something and yet your mind is going crazy because it doesn't make sense to your natural senses. Can I just say, that's where you learn to trust the voice of God. And there's people here and God has spoken to you about doing Favour College. There's people here and God has spoken to you about starting a business. There's people here and God has spoken to you about sharing your faith with a friend and you haven't done it yet. Listen, I don't want to grow old and tell my kids stories about how I sat in a boat. I want to grow old and tell my kids stories about how I stepped out of a boat and walked on water and took Jesus at his word. And so can you see how the first call is the call to follow, but the second call, Favour, is the call to faith. Come on, let's say that together, faith. God wants us to walk by faith. And I believe even this morning, Jesus is gonna stir a fresh faith call in the hearts of some people today. And so the first call is the call to to follow. The second is the faith call. Number three is the fresh call. Someone say the fresh call. So Peter walks on the water and that's good. But if you fast forward a few years, you get to the hours leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and, and, and trial. For Peter, things have been getting pretty weird because Jesus keeps on talking about how he's going to die soon. And the pressure is mounting socially around the followers of Jesus. And so the night of the Last Supper comes and Jesus turns to Peter and Jesus says to Peter, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And I love Peter's reply 
because it is just, it is just a red-blooded, meat-headed, masculine reply. He goes, Jesus, even if everybody else denies you, and even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. I think at that point he beat his chest. He's like, ooh, I'm with you. But soon enough, the test came for Peter and given three opportunities to identify with Jesus, he failed every single time. Have, have, you ever, have you ever sworn that you would never do something only to do the very thing that you said five minutes ago that you would never do? How does Jesus respond to us in those moments? Think about this. One denial, you know, you could chalk that up to a momentary lapse in concentration, a temporary weakness. Two denials. Well, you know, maybe it was a tough situation, but, but there's no excuse for three denials. You got to imagine this. Imagine for a moment someone in your world to whom you owe everything, maybe your mum or your dad. Then imagining, imagine abandoning that person and leaving them to suffer and die alone just to save your own skin. Like, how do you ever forgive yourself for that? How do you ever come back from that? Who knows, by all reasonable standards, Peter was done. There was absolutely zero reason for Jesus to show any empathy or kindness to Peter. One mistake, understandable. Two mistakes, perhaps forgivable. But three times, that's called three strikes and you are out. And so the Bible says that after denying Jesus three times in Luke 22 verse 60, that immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And you know, this should be the end of Peter's story. This should be the last thing we ever read of Peter in the Bible. But I wonder if you could see this morning that in Peter's darkest moment of guilt and shame, God's mercy was right there. Because no sooner had he denied Jesus for the third time than a rooster crowed. Now, let me be real upfront with you, Favour. I'm no animal expert, but I do know this, that a rooster doesn't crow to tell you that the day is over. A rooster crows when there's a new day breaking. And so in the very moment of Peter's failure, God wanted Peter to know, hey, there is a new day for you. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how ashamed you are. The moment that denial left his lips, the crow left the, 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 crow left the rooster's lips because doesn't the Bible say that His mercy is new every morning, that where our sin abounds, come on favour, His grace abounds all the more. And so I want to encourage somebody today, you think it's over, you think you've stuffed up too bad for Jesus to ever forgive you again. But I want to tell you, He is rich in mercy. He is abounding in grace. And there is a fresh call for you today if you will open your heart to hear it. Can you say amen today? You know, Peter wasn't the only one who stuffed up in that 24-hour period. Who knows, Judas stuffed up as well. And Judas didn't know what to do with his guilt. He didn't know what to do with his failure. And so what did Judas do? Judas ran from Jesus. 
The Bible tells us that he ran to a valley called Cedron. And Bible commentators and scholars would tell us that if you look at the path that Judas ran, he ran to a tree in Cedron and he threw a rope over that tree and he hung himself. But on the journey to that tree, Bible commentators tell us that if he just looked to the side, he would have seen another hill. He would have seen a hill called Calvary where there was another tree where Jesus died for the shame and the sin of Judas. And so you and I can can take our sin and our shame and we can run from Jesus. But I wanna tell you, there's another tree that you can run to. You don't have to run to a tree of guilt and shame and depression and it's all over. You can run to the hill of Calvary where Jesus died to set you and I free. Is this helping anyone today? So the Bible says that after Jesus' death and then His resurrection, Peter is out fishing. He figures, well, I tried to follow Jesus, stepped out in faith. I believed that I had a calling and I believed that God was gonna use me, but I guess I've blown it too bad. So what does he do? He goes back to fishing. In John chapter 21, we see that Peter has been fishing all night and he sees the form of Jesus on the beach. And the Bible says that that Peter, he jumps out of the boat. He's half naked still. He's like putting clothes on as he goes. Some of you are like, what? No, go to Favour College. They'll tell you the answers for that. And and he's not running from Jesus. He's running to Jesus. And Jesus has prepared breakfast on the beach. In the Jewish mind, to share a meal with somebody was to say, I'm ready to reconcile with you. To share a meal with somebody is to say, let's put the past behind us. And so when Peter comes to the beach, he doesn't find Jesus sitting in a judge's chair. He finds Jesus with a breakfast laid out saying to Peter, I'm ready to put the past behind us. And so he says to Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Of course, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. We'll we'll feed my sheep. And then Jesus says to Peter, the thing that he said all those years earlier, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, follow me. You know, I just believe there's some people in church this morning and there was a point in your journey when you had dreams in God. There was a point in your journey where you felt a call maybe a call to business or a call to the arts or a call to ministry, but you're sitting in church this morning and you feel like I've stuffed it up too bad and I've I've denied him with my lifestyle and I've messed it up too bad. And so now all I'm gonna do is just come to church every, every Sunday and sit here and watch the other called people. Can I just tell somebody today that Jesus is willing to give you a fresh call this morning? He doesn't just call you a first time and then write you off. He will call you a second time. The very thing He said to you in your naivety, He's still willing to say that to you in your shame and your guilt and on the other side of your mistakes. There is still a calling for you. There is still a future for you. There is still a purpose for you. God has still got a job for you to do. And is anyone today, you're just grateful that Jesus is willing to call you a second time? Anyone here say, you know what? I need his call a first time, a second time, a third time, a tenth time. He calls, look at what Peter says in his old age. He says, listen, after you have suffered a while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you. Where did Peter learn that? He learned it on a beach, having breakfast with the Saviour who restored his calling. He'll restore you. He'll confirm you. He'll strengthen you. 
He'll establish you. Listen, the voice in your heart that's telling you it's done, the voice in your heart telling you to quit, the voice in your heart telling you that you should never dare to dream again, that is not the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is the voice that restores you. It's the voice that confirms you. It's the voice that strengthens you. And it's the voice that establishes you. Come on, don't quit on God when he's not quit on you. Some of us today, you need to hear this third call And it's not a new call. It's the call that God spoke into your heart many years ago. And this morning, it's going to breathe again and live again. Is this helping anyone today? Number four, the last call is this. There's the first call. There's a faith call. There's a fresh call. And finally, there's a future call. You know, if you fast forward seven years, you get to Acts chapter 10. And a lot has happened in Peter's life. He's had breakfast on the beach with Jesus. There was the day of Pentecost. The church has been born and, and now the church is established and there's systems in place and there's leaders in place and, and it's good and it's having an impact and things are pretty settled now for Peter. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that it's midday and Peter is praying and, and in the midst of his prayer, he sees a vision. It's like a map being lowered from heaven and there's all these animals on the mat and God, the voice of God says to Peter, rise, kill and eat. And that's my theological foundation for not being a vegetarian. Rise, kill and eat. Peter says, well, I can't eat these animals. These are unclean animals. And God says to Peter, listen, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And it's a vision that propels Peter into the next season of his ministry. God is saying, they're a Gentile, non-Jewish people. They don't yet know the love of Jesus. And I'm calling you to go and reach those people. And so Peter steps out by faith into a whole new future, reaches a whole new, any any non-Jewish people here today? Any, any, any bacon lovers? Come on, just, just give us a yell. Come on, some of you are like, am I Jewish or not? Listen, you probably know. We're in the Philippines. Like you probably, probably. Any, come on, anyone, any non-Jewish people here today? Bless all the Jewish brothers. Mazel tov, God bless you. But like for all of the non-Jewish people, the reason why you and I know the love of Jesus and can have a relationship with Him today is because Peter didn't settle down into his comfort and say, well, that's enough now. I've taken steps of faith. It's time for me to just chill out and enjoy life. No, Peter heard a future call and he stepped out. And because of that, many, many, many more people came to know Jesus. You know, if you've been following Jesus for some time, the strongest temptation is to just settle down. I've got everything I need now, Jesus. Life's pretty good. But who knows, so long as there are more people in Manila, who don't yet know Jesus, we can never settle down as a church. Today, some of us need to get a fresh vision from God because there are people who need your obedience. There are people who need you to step out in faith again and trust God again. Because on the other side of your obedience, there's many people who don't yet know Jesus, who God desperately loves in the city of Manila. Uh, let, me, let me close with this. Uh, a number of years ago when COVID was, was hitting, Thank God in Australia, we didn't have to wear those shields. But the favoured apparel shields, they were cool. I was, I was having dinner with one of the business guys in our church and this guy's done pretty well. Like his house on the river with the Harley Davidson and a few beautiful cars in the garage, they, they kind of speak that he can pretty much settle down in life. He's done pretty good. And his main area of work now 
is uh, he, he does insurance for large outdoor events and he's got a production company hiring out all, the, all of this stuff. Well, who knows, COVID was pretty bad for both of those things. You couldn't do outdoor events again. This guy insures uh, acts like Nitro Circus. He's insured Ed Sheeran, like big time headline outdoor gigs. Well, who knows, all of those came to a close and no one needed outdoor production equipment. And so I get chatting to him and he's telling me about how he's trying to manage his stuff and he's trying to work through all of this and trying to keep the businesses afloat. And I'm thinking to myself, I've seen your house. You don't need any of this. Why aren't you just sitting by the canal, sipping from a coconut, counting your $100 bills? Like, you don't need this stress. And so midway through him telling me all the stuff that he's working out, I said to him, hang on a minute. Why do you run these businesses? You don't need them. And, and he didn't even skip a beat. He goes, oh, they're my kingdom businesses. I said, what do you mean? He said, all the money that I make from those businesses, I pour into missions work and church planting to help people know Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I had. Yeah, that's what I do too. <laughs> Who knows, once God blesses us and establishes us, the easiest thing in life to do is to settle down and think, well, I'm good now. And that's why Jesus came to Peter a fourth time and showed him a vision. I meet some people in the foyer of our church and I say to you, are you leading a connect group? Do you call it a connect group? Do you lead a connect group? And they say, no, I don't really need that anymore. I'm tempted, this rage wells up within me. I start to clench my, I feel to give them the fivefold ministry. I'm like, I'm like, have you ever heard of the concept of like, you know, other people? Listen, come on, let's not be self-absorbed Christians who have got a whole lot of stories about, oh yeah, back then I did. But now things are pretty comfortable. There are hundreds, thousands, millions of people in this city who need to know Jesus. And so Favour Church, this is not a time to settle. This is not a time to relax or take it easy. This is a time to get a vision for more and more and more people who need to know Jesus. I wonder if right across this room, you could close your eyes. You know, I've said this morning, there's four calls that Jesus gave to Peter. And I believe Jesus wants to give these calls into our hearts today. Maybe not all of them today, but I think at least one of them today. And and firstly, this morning, I wanna pray for people in this room and online who would say, you know what? There's never been a moment in my life journey to date when I made a personal decision to follow Jesus. Listen, it's not about whether your grandmother follows Jesus or your parents follow Jesus or your auntie follows Jesus. I wanna ask you this morning, has there ever been a moment when you decided, as for me, I'm gonna follow Jesus? Perhaps as you find yourself in church this morning, you say, well, I'm not good enough. And Dustin, if you knew the things that I've done and the places I've been, then you would know that I don't qualify. Listen, Peter didn't qualify either. I don't qualify either, but He's got grace for you today. He loves you today. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Listen, this is not about, have you ever been to church? This is not about were you dedicated as a child? The question is, have you ever made a personal decision to follow Jesus? If that's you and you say, you know what? I've never made that decision, but today I can hear the voice of God speaking into my heart in just a moment. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, a simple prayer of faith in Jesus. There'll be other people here this morning. And you know in your heart that even though you're in church, you're not following Jesus anymore. Maybe you're just following money or you're following 
the approval of other people or you just, you've just drifted from where you know you need to be. But today you're going to make a recommitment and say, you know what, I need to follow Jesus with all of my life. So just while people are praying quietly, if you're here this morning from the front row to the very back, first time in church, maybe been here a hundred times, this is your moment. If you would say, Dustin, I'm not following Jesus like I know I need to. Include me in this prayer when you pray in a moment's time. Right now, without looking around, without hesitating, would you shoot your, your hand up high? I'll see it, acknowledge it, then you can put it down. I just believe there's people today and today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Who today would say, yeah, that's me. Just shoot your hand up nice and high. I'll see it, acknowledge it, then you can put it down. I believe today God's speaking into people's hearts. Who today would say, yep, that's me. Over here on the second row, God bless you. Who else would say, that's me. Over here on the aisle, God bless you. Young or old, it doesn't matter. First time in church, religious, not religious, Jesus loves you. If He's calling you, keep a soft heart, respond to Him. Over here, God bless you. Over here, I saw a hand as well. Who else would say, yeah, that's me. I'm not right with Jesus, but I wanna be. Listen, just shoot your hand up nice and high, right up the back as well. Come on, if that's you, over here as well. Come on, I love this. Just say yes to Jesus on the aisle here as well. Who else would say, yeah, that's me. Listen, the Bible says today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Come on, keep a soft heart to Him today. Just shoot your hand up. You're saying, yeah, Dustin, that's me. I'm not right with Him, but I wanna be. Lift it up. Gonna give this one more moment. Jesus loves you. Over here in the third row, God bless you. Who else today would say, yeah, that's me. Just here in the second row. Awesome, man. I love this. Come on, there's still time for you. This is not you responding to a persuasive speech. This is you responding to the voice of God speaking to your heart. Who else would say, yeah, that's me. I'm not right with Jesus, but I wanna be. Shoot your hand up nice and high. If you, if you lifted your hand, could you just help me? Could you lift it for me one more time? I just wanna make sure I've not missed anyone out. Would you just lift it up nice and high one more time? Awesome. So many people this morning saying yes to Jesus. Right up on the aisle over there. Didn't see you before. Church, together, let's pray this prayer of faith. And if you lifted your hand, come on, why don't you mean this with all your heart? God's gonna meet you right where you're at this morning. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I put my faith in Jesus. I wanna follow you for all of my days. Would you forgive my sin? Would you be my Lord? Be the leader of my life. Be my Saviour. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I wanna live for you from this moment on. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen.